0: This is the second part of the interview with Jonas Gulliander on the science of influencer marketing. You'll find the first part of the interview below this episode. Check it out. Right. We talked a bit about it uh, a minute ago that, for example, it needs to be a match between the influencer in this case and the brand. Except from that, do you have any advice for brands when it comes to how companies shall treat this phenomena for marketing purposes?
1: I mean, this, the the, I and mean, then one of the mistake I, I I still encounter a lot that I see is just that people people assume that people as long as someone has you know a lot of followers and as an influencer then everything will work and it's it's yeah. it's related to what i said before but it's actually so much that that uh, that comes in uh, to see whether whether or not something is effective so i think the the matching of of, of brand and, and profile and interest is, is key because one of the one of the factors that we see, or the most important factors for success in sponsored content that we see in the research, is this whole idea of credibility. I mean, if and credibility boils down to two things, really. It boils down to the expertise, and it boils down to trustworthiness. Both to both both those two have to be present for for credibility to be there. I mean, and expertise is quite. It's quite simple. I mean, the person has to know what he or she is talking about, basically. And that's where sort of a match comes in. But trustworthiness, the other component is, is more interesting. I mean, that really boils down to the fact that it has to be, the person has to believe in what he or she is saying, or has to be perceived as believing in what he or she is saying. And that's more complex. And that Really boils down to someone, you know, the the image of this person and the image of the company. They have to match uh, match at a more at a more abstract level, if I may, if I may use that term. And it really, yeah. it's again, well, not it has to be believable that this person would actually actually use this, and then that's being more that's more not as easy to measure, and it's more difficult to to get that across. And you have to really have to, even though it's you know on paper it could seem to be to be perfect matches yep. then re, you know sometimes it doesn't work and i think that is that that factor is overlooked a lot and that i think um that there's you know, when you're calculating things in a in a in at a marketing department that factor is often overlooked i think that's something you need to work with sort of influencers themselves uh, a lot when you create this this communication because they are the ones who, who know their followers best and they are the ones who know sort of they often or the good ones often have sort of an instinctual you know um, feeling for what's going to work or not and what's being what's being what's going to be effective or not so yeah. i would say uh, one of the one of the key mistakes that i see a lot is that people People try to, to, to dictate too much and not giving influences sort of the 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 freedom to, to shape the content in ways that would suit their particular audience.
0: Yeah, they know their followers the best. Yeah,
1: they're 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 the ones who knows knows what works. And I think when you're trying to to steer it too much and, and in one certain direction to fit some sort of corporate profile or or, or something like that, then then it usually Uh, Or usually, I wouldn't say uh, usually, but sometimes that's Mm -hmm. where it's more likely that that will fail than if you give sort of the person who's ultimately responsible and whose channel this is being broadcast on. If you give that person the creative freedom to create the message, then I think it's more likely to succeed than if you dictate how things are going to look, because then it's it often comes across as inauthentic.
0: Yeah, um, more than like that this, advertising. Like
1: yeah, exactly, and and then it lacks this trustworthiness component, and as a result, you think you automatically assume that, or this commercial filter becomes becomes stronger, and then people tend to disregard that communication more readily than 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 if something more appears more authentic and, and native to the to that particular channel.
0: Definitely, it's a fine line there too. To create content that you actually can repost and use in your own marketing um, channels and that it looks like your brand content, but still, as you say, it's so important to give this creative freedom and trust because they are the ones who have spent years and so much time building up this audience and this relationship.
1: Yeah, but I mean, and it's also really uh, uh, it's uh, it's been a steep learning curve. for A lot of companies are used to because th- th- they typically in traditional media they can control everything because it's yeah. it's uh, it's the way to to do things. But in these channels, you have to, and it's one of the most difficult things for for a lot of managers. I think it's to 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 you know let, let go. Yeah,
0: let go of um, the control. Definitely. Yeah, exactly,
1: and that's that's really difficult. But I think it's also quite necessary because otherwise. Um, you know, as I said, again, the trustworthiness component is lost. And that's the key element for this kind of marketing to succeed.
0: And moving on to the final multi-billion dollar question, which I know is hard to answer in just a few minutes, but would you say, is it is it possible to say something about the future of influence marketing and these things that we have <laughs> talked about?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I wish I had a perfectly accurate, you know, crystal ball to look into <laughs> and how it would that look. would
0: be so nice.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. But uh, unfortunately, I don't. But I can. I, I have a few sort of observations that I that I that I've been making over when looking at sort of the broader picture of this. And one is the is sort of the the um, emergence of more more specialized and and smaller influencers that i see growing everywhere so the rise of, of macro and and nano influencers uh, particularly is, is i think is very interesting from a research perspective given how how you know smaller influencers have you know smaller reach but the sort of effect that the effect per per hit or per message that they have with followers tend to be a lot stronger and how, and one of the, I think one of the key issues is how you can, again, this goes back to the credibility that I talked about earlier. I think one of the key, um, key challenges is how to, to, um, from a business perspective is how to to use these these smaller influencers in in, a, in an effective way and, and create sort of effective networks of a lot of smaller influencers that are at what at the same time that you can where you can adapt and where, where messages work. Yeah. And I think that's gonna be a a, a key factor going forward, how to to handle this dynamic between smaller, more specialised influencers, between nano influencers and these huge mega mm-hmm. mega stars that are out there, and how to to create sort of an effective um, strategy where you utilise all these different different types of influencers, yeah. I think that's going to be um, going to be really interesting to to see how that dynamic works out. Another, uh, yeah, another. Um, that would, you know, the eternal question is, of course, I mean, where the preferences of of of, uh, of people are going to go in terms of what kind of media are, are we are we looking at? What's going to be effective? What what format is going to grow and which one's going to it's going to decrease? I mean, the the audio format, from what it's, I mean, what's I think is is there an instant We're on a pod here, and I think that's that's something that's uh, that's going to be really interesting moving forward. Still, it's I mean, it is is an old. It's an old medium but you see growth of, of Clubhouse and all these different um different new yeah it's
0: popping new up new media
1: ones. Yeah. yeah and I see how, how that's gonna work out and how you know how what's gonna be because what's what's effective in one media with, with images and, and how you sort of signal credibility in that media is completely different when you when you when you have other forms of, of expression. So
0: yeah
1: I think that dynamic and how, how these how these channels are evolving is one under other, other um, it's one other really interesting factor and the third one I'm, I'm really curious about is how and that's maybe not as, as sexy but it's still really interesting you know see how these regulatory landscapes I mean we're talking a lot about the power of big tech and how that's going to be regulated and what what are the what are the implications of all that if 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 you know what what the big platforms are allowed to do if that changes and all the whole Privacy discussions within within the EU and in the in the US, uh, yeah. how that's going to affect the, the business and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do um, in terms of data collection and and uh, you know privacy issues and so on and see how yeah. that. I think we're talking about a lot about these you know commercial commercial aspects and how that's going to influence businesses. But I think, I mean, the large changes and the biggest effects probably going to come from from regulatory processes and and that's yeah. i mean again it's not as as fun to talk about but it's it's
0: it's, uh,
1: it's an important one and and yeah. um you know following for anyone interested in these issues i think you have to to uh, sadly you have to know a little about what the workings of the u.s congress and and uh, sort of the eu agency responsible for these issues because what they decide it's going to have a huge effect on, on uh, everything digital basically and i think people with a stake in this uh, perhaps need to get involved a little bit more in and how these processes work mm-hmm. because it's going to have uh, uh, if if something's being regulated in a certain way that's going to affect what all of us are allowed to do even us as researchers with data collection and things yeah. like that so yeah. so we need to pay more even though it's boring we need to pay more more uh, we have to be more interested in what's going on in Brussels and in Washington. I think
0: interesting, and I mean, as we said previously, things are moving so fast in this industry, so it's super important for yeah both researchers, marketers, but also consumers to have the ear against the ground and to see, stay on track on what's happening and how you can adapt your strategy um, and what you can do and what you can't.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would. I think this whole the whole um, the whole idea, or the whole sort of um, aspect of, of disinf- on the disinformation and social media yeah. that's coming out, that's going to cause a lot of regulations probably coming within the near future, and that's going to affect everyone, not just you know the troll farms and in, in, that are spreading mm. spreading poison, but it's going to it's going to have ripple effects across the influencer industry as well. So we need to pay close attention to it.
0: Thank you so much, Jonas, for guesting us today and th- sharing your insights and thoughts.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I hope I, I uh, hope I made for decent content.
0: You did. It was really interesting. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.